Good morning, church. I think as Ryan shared a little bit earlier, we were, Ryan and I and Pastor Mike were out to lunch about two days ago or three, and uh, just out of the blue, he says, hey guys, just want to, you know, just make sure you're ready with, with, with something in case one of us gets sick or I, I get sick, I just need you to be prepared. Me being the confident dumb person I am said, man, we got this, bro, we got this. Uh, and then lo and behold, on Saturday, he calls, uh, he texts me in the morning going, hey, I'm not feeling real well. I think I'm going downhill. And I was like, oh no, what did I tell him? Did I tell him I had this? And, uh, and, and Ryan, he summed up really well. We talked when he came in, he said, hey, you ready for today? And I was like, uh, and he said, you know, I was uh, at the Christmas light show or something, and I got the text, uh, but the text said that you, you, you are on board for today, and he said, I was so relieved. <laughs> I was like, you dirty dog. Uh, I, I ended up getting a, a, a text from Pat, Pastor Chris, he had heard, and he said, hey, just to let you know, I just want to let you know, I'm praying for you, heard you've got to preach tomorrow, I just found out I've got to preach tomorrow as well. Pastor Chris is with a team in Bahamas, uh, they, uh, a team of, of seven, and they've been, been doing a lot of work in homes, uh, trying to help out a church, and uh, doing, he said it's been a fantastic trip. But um, I, I just want to pause for a second and just pray for them, and then we're going to jump into our service this morning. Dear God, I thank you so much for today, uh, for us chance to meet here, but we lift up uh, my brother Chris to you as he is, is bringing the word in the Bahamas this morning. Lord, I ask that, that you will just... Pour out your, 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 your favor uh, upon him. Uh, Lord, uh, may those that hear the gospel preach respond. Uh, and Lord, let this team just be used by you in mighty ways this week and bring them home safe at the end of this week. But Lord, help them plant seeds that will grow to be mighty, mighty works for you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, uh, today, I, you know, I, I have the opportunity, uh, week in, week out, I preach with the youth on Wednesday nights, and, and I, I, my style when I preach with the youth is very much my style, which I would preach for adults. I think if, if we don't raise the bar for youth now, they're never going to get it. Uh, and so some people go, even when they're like, you're shooting a little high for the 11th. 11-year-olds or 12-year-olds in there, and that's okay. I'm, I want to learn to jump up because I've got 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds that really need to get this because if they don't get it now, I don't think they're going to, or it's very hard for, for, for them to. Um, so about six weeks ago, I, I got to preach a message, and from time to time I preach in there, and there's one that will come to light, and I'll preach it, and I'll go, man, if I ever have the opportunity in big church, that's what we, we, we call you guys as big church, um, if I get the opportunity to preach in big church, I think this is one that I would like to share. Uh, one thing I find that is difficult as I'm I've got, my, I've, got, I've got five kids on my own. My oldest is 19. My youngest now is seven. But as they have grown up, the best stories and the best ways I can relate the truth of God has been through stories about my kids and the stupid things, I mean, the crazy things that they've done. Sorry, no. And, um, uh, and so you can do that for a, a, a season while they're younger, but as they get older, they get this thing called embarrassment or something stupid like that. And so you just can't, you've just got to look out for them. And so I, I've just lost a lot of my great stories or I'm waiting for them. Once they get out of the house, though, it's fair game again. I can, I, I, they're 19, I, I can go for it. Um, and so what I want to share today, if you'll allow me, uh, there's two things. I, I want to open up a door that is personal to my 
fam family. And this is probably one of the last times, uh, at least for the very near, near, near future, that I will have the ability to share this story uh, or to, to preach what I'm going to preach. Uh, and I just ask you just to be, and it's nothing like, Pastor Dan said this, holy cow. No, it's not that. But I just want you to sort of see us uh, and sort of see, see, um, see, see what we're like. But I also want to protect my home. Um, and what I'm talking today is about adoption. Uh, uh, and as I share that, let me share this. Man, I get, and it's, 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 my family is no better than your family. I have people come up to me all the time and go, oh, you, you guys are just so great. You've got these, these little girls you ado adopted. And that's, we're, we're not great. We're a train wreck. <laughs> just like you, we're a train wreck. Uh, we struggle, but we're just trying to be faithful with what God's call, called us to do. God may not be calling you to adopt, but he's calling you to be faithful to him, whatever that is. So as I even preach this, God may be calling some of you to adopt or to, to fought, 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 foster care or something along those lines. He may be calling you to the mission field or your kids to the mission field. Whatever he's calling you to do, that's what you do. Cool? Yeah? In October 2010, we adopted a little girl from China, whom you know as Mei Li. Uh, and she came into our house like a whirlwind, and she's never stopped. If you've met her and you know her here at church, she is, she is large and in charge. She thinks she rules every, every room she walks into, and we love her to death. Um, and as I share the story about adoption, I, I will share this. Uh, for our family... Uh, because of adoption, we have laughed more than we ever would have. We have more joy, I think, than we would have in our home had. We've cried more than we, we ever would. We, we, we've, we've struggled through things. It's, 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 but, but the joy has so much outweighed whatever the struggle's been. A couple of years later, so we adopted Maley. We thought, hey, we, we've adopted, we've got four. We're finally starting to wrap our hands around this surviving a little bit in the house. Our train wreck is sort of getting on the tracks. And we went on a vacation to Bradenton Beach. We're in a condo there. We're just chilling at the beach. Just a week. We're just getting away from, we just want to chill. And we came across this book written by Mary Beth Chapman called Choosing to See. Now, it was just there in the condo. My wife picked it up. She began to read it. And she puts the book down and she says to me, exact words, don't you dare read this book. So you know what I do, being the respectful husband I am, I waited until she went to bed, and then I read the book. <laughs> Picked it up, and I read it. And it's, it's a story of uh, the Chapman. She's married to Stephen Curtis. They've uh, adopted a few girls. They have a, a, a um, uh, adoption group called Show Hope. And, uh, but it was a story of how one of their little girls had, had, had passed away uh, and how they had dealt with that, but how God had been, been seen, seen through it. So when I... When I Finished the book, I remember that night, I realized one simple truth for us. Our family was still growing, uh, and adoption was once again our calling. I remember that next morning, I was, told my wife, I read the book, and she's like, you did what? And uh, ne 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 neither of us wanted to say the words, I think we're supposed to adopt, but we were both thinking it, because we knew once it came out of our mouths, we were sunk. We were going to go that route. 
we had been saving uh, for a Disney cruise with our kids that we'd planned for that fall, just a few months later. We'd saved about a year for it. And uh, my kids were older, Noah, Kate, and Joe, old enough that they understood the sacrifice it would take to adopt again in our household and sort of what that would take. And so, so we're floating in the Gulf with them. And I was, I, Michelle and I talking and said, they're, they're part of this conversation as well. They're old enough to, because this is going to affect all of our lives. Uh, and so I'm floating in the water with them, chatting. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling them, hey, listen, guys, it costs a lot of money to adopt. We're going to sacrifice if we do this again. Uh, and that Disney cruise that you know about, that we've talked about, we may not can make it this year. And uh, my little girl, Caitlin, at the time says to me, well, Dad, isn't a little girl more important than a Disney cruise? And I wanted to say, shut up, Caitlin. <laughs> Daddy wants to go on a Disney cruise. Uh, and that settled it. Once we had that conversation, we knew this was the, the path we were supposed to go on. We, uh, we received, uh, we began to apply that, that night, I think, before we even left vacation, we're online beginning to start the process because uh, we knew this is what God had called us to do. And um, we, within a few months, we were matched with a child. And so this, this, this our, our little girl, uh, was, her name was, was Hong Chuan Chin. And she had a, a, a cliff lip and palate, which means that when she's born, there's a big hole in, uh, in the roof of her mouth, and her lips sort of don't match up. So almost, the lips go up almost into the nose. And she was a grade three cleft, which is, I think it's bad. I totally agree with you. Um, it's, 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 it's a sort of as bad as it gets. And so even when we, uh, I, and what's personal to us, I want to share a picture, the first one that we got of her uh, when we were matched with her. So we, we, we just got her name and they sent us, this is, this is the, the, the little girl you're going to adopt. This is her right there. Uh, and you know her now, she's just turned seven. She, she runs around here, uh, just a beautiful thing. All right, you can take that off because I can't preach with that on. I won't, y'all will stare in, in awe and I will cry. Um, so in this December of 2014, uh, some of you remember, we, we flew to, to China on an 18-day trip. The flight wasn't 18 days. It was just a long flight. Uh, we, were there, we were there for two or three days. And on the, on the third day, we went to Guangzhou to meet. Kylie's, who, the name we gave her, we were nervous. We were, we were, we were wondering how this was going to work, how the medical would work. We were actually scared to death. Um, how, how would she fit in our, our, our family? What, what have we done? You know, all, all, all those, those real, real fears. And then she walked into the room, and everything changed. I've got a video of the first moment we saw her as she walked up to us right here. That's her in blue. Scared, timid, timid, timid thing. And uh, she walked into our arms and was, was ours. Was ours. We would fight for her. I won't bore you with the details of the last 15 days in China, but we were so glad to get home and to get with the, the, the rest of, of our kids. And then we'd only been home a week, and there was a, a picture here. Kylie just jumped into our home, was just part of the family. She sort of, sort of fit 
right in. Here's a, a picture after being home about a year and a half of, of, uh, of Kylie, this next one. Uh, there, there she is. It's amazing what d- doctors can do. We were amazed. Um, and and uh, I look younger there, a lot younger. <laughs> and she's really cute, so you've got to take that off or they'll just, they won't, no one will hear anything that I say for the rest of the time. This is a picture of adoption in the 21st century century. This is sort of what it, it looks like. And you'd be amazed, even probably in this room, how many um, have been personally impacted by adoption. Uh, a few years ago, I took a group of about 15 students to a, to a youth trip called Atlanta Fest, where there's Christian bands play. I had 15 kids there. Of the 15 kids, as I, as I sat one day, as we were hearing bands, I look around at all the kids. Of the, of the 15 youth that were there, 13 were impacted by Adoption. Either 13 were either adopted or a brother or sister of someone who was adopted. That's crazy. Um, and very cool, I thought. Uh, in today's world, we adopt for a variety of reasons. None, none of them are, are wrong. They're, they're all great reasons. One is compassion. You, you see a need. You see a child that, that needs a home, you're stirred to, to help them out, and so you, you bring them into your home and make them your own. Two is you, you long, long to have a child. You're trying to have a child, and for whatever reason, it's, it's not work, working, and, and you're led or, 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 or guided to, to adopt because you want a child within your home. Third is, is to worship God. You're obeying in obe- obedience to, to God. Um, as marriage is a, picture, is a living picture of the covenant relationship between Christ and, and the church, that's what the, the relationship to a husband and wife, it's a picture of Christ and the church. Through today, I, I, I hope to, to teach, to see that adoption is a picture of God's grace-filled love that he pours out to all bu- believers. Um. In John 1, verses 12 through 13, it says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right. God gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Point, point one, I've got three points, and I've got a, a wrap-up, which I want to, because you're like, well, these points, how do these affect me? I think they affect you greatly if you will take it into practice. First point is this, our adoption begins with God. Our adoption begins with God. He gave the right. There's a book by David Platt called Follow Me. And David Platt adopted a son from the Ukraine uh, quite a few years back. Uh, And so in his book, Follow Me, on page 28 and 29, he talks about his adopted son, Caleb. And I'm going to read an excerpt from from that, but I want to switch Caleb. Caleb's name for Kylie's name, or Kai. We we call call her Kai, or Kylie, if we're mad at not Kylie, you know. Um, So this is what he writes. I'm just going to change out his son's name for Kylie's name, but this is his his writing. The parallels between Kylie's story and the gospel story are many, but I want to point out one that is particularly significant. Adoption like this begins with a parent's initiative, not the child's idea. Before Kylie was even born in China, conversations instigated by my kids began to plan for us to adopt again. While Kylie was alone at night in her orphanage in China, we were working 
to adopt her. And one day when Kylie was placed in our arms, she had no idea all that had been done. It seems obvious that this two-year-old girl did not invite us to come to Guangzhou, China to bring her into our family. She didn't even know to ask for such a thing. No, this orphan became our cherished daughter because of a love that was entirely beyond her imagination and completely outside her control. She did not pursue us, for she was utterly unable to do so. We pursued her. The Bible tells us that even before you were born, before I was born, God was pursuing and working to adopt you. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 states that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. See, unbeknownst to us, as we were not just lying in the depth of our sin, but as we were rolling around, reveling in our sinful condition that we chose on our own, God was working to adopt you. And the only way we can become a part of the family of God is through a love entirely beyond our imagination and completely outside of our control. See, Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ. It begins with his pursuit of us. Galatians uh, chapter 4, sort of our, our, our main text, in verses 1 and 2, it talks about how there's, a, there's a, a young child that's a slave or a son, and they look a lot alike. A slave or a son, when they're a, a, a youngster, their lives are almost exactly the same. They, they, they eat, they, they, they nap, they, they drink, they poop. We, you know, sorry, I don't know if you can say that. Uh, but they just, they just sort of look the same way up to a certain point, and then at a certain point, the slave begins to learn what it means to be a slave, and the son but, you know, is a son. But when they're very young, they look exactly the same. So once we get to verse 3, Paul writes this, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary pr- pr- principles of the world. Let's, let's stop here for a second. See, there's a belief that everyone is a child of God. Everybody goes, yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all ch- a child of God. But 1 John 3.10 says this, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who, who are the children of the devil. We're all created by God. But the, all, only those that are children of God are those that are adopted by God, and that is through, through a relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ. Those are the only children of God. And then it, it says this in, in verse 4, but the, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. In God's timing, Jesus was born under the law, in submission to it. When mocked, he choose, chose meekness over majesty. When tempted, he chose restraint over indulgence. When crucified, he chose suffering over Safety. This is the gospel. Paul reminds us we were enslaved by sin. The elementary principles of this world enslaved. Don't, don't, don't forget this, believer. You were once enslaved to this world. That truth should affect the way that we live today and tomorrow and the next day when we realize where we come. Don't forget where you came, you came from. Don't, don't rest there, but don't forget. You know, the gospel is God sent his son born under the law as a man to redeem those who were under the law, us. He lived a perfect life when we could not. He gave his life as a sacrifice, the perfect 
sacrifice. He did not deserve to die on the cross. He did not deserve have to die as a sacrifice for his sin because he had no sin to die for. That's why he died for your sin and for my sin. He took God's wrath that we deserved and gave us righteousness. Makes no sense, but that's the beauty of the gospel. Verse 5, once again, it says, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Point one is adoption begins with God. Point two, our adoption means salvation. It means rescue. Man, that's, that should make us walk a little bit lighter each day, no matter what we face, because we have been rescued. We have been saved. In the Bible, we see in Ephesus, Galatians, and Romans, Paul uses the term adoption. And it always refers to redeemed believers in Jesus. But let me paint for you a picture of what adoption meant in the first century when this was written. The Greeks and the Romans saw worth and achievement in, uh, in achievement and abilities. The human body was the ultimate was was the ultimate of perfection. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> not quite. Importance was based on how beautiful you were, or how smart you were, or how athletic you were. Man, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? The Greek and Romans began to put so much worth into the perfection of the human being that they began to fail to see the importance of human life. That sounds familiar as well. The, the, the great philosopher, I use the term a little bit loosely, Aristotle said, as to, the rearing, as to rearing the children born, let there be a law that nor no deformed child should be reared. Plato said, the offspring of the good are to be reared, but the offspring of the inferior parents are, or deformed offspring are to be secreted away. That means disposed of. Serenus of Ephesus was a man who lived around 93 AD to 129 AD. He wrote a book for midwives, listing a set of criteria to rate a child at birth. You might, uh, it's, it's very sim- similar to the Ap- APGAR test that we use today when a child is born. A nurse will take the t- child and will test it really quickly to see how they can help the child and what they need to do to help this child to survive. This is what his test said. The child should have a strong cry. It should be complete in all its parts. No part should be sluggish or weak. Joints should be able to bend and stretch. The infant's size and shape should be appropriate. All parts of the body should be sensitive to the touch. And then he wrote this at at the end of his list. Any condition contrary to these indicate that infant is not worth rearing. See, his criteria was not to determine the best way to care for the child. It was to determine if you should raise the child or kill the child. After the baby was born, the newborn would be placed on the ground, and the patriarch of the family, not always the father, it was the oldest male of the family, would do one of two things, either pick up the child and, and welcome it into the family or leave it on the ground, signifying the infant was too flawed and was not worth rearing. If they failed the test, the baby would be killed, suffocated or drowned, uh, and many times it, it would be secreted away, which means they would take it to outside the city near the trash dump and just dispose the baby there when it was still alive and allow nature to take its course, whether it was the elements or wild animals. Sorry to be so frank with 
this topic, but this is, this is the way it was. Some people would go up to the hill and pick through the discarded babies that were still alive. They would, for some, if the baby was suitable enough, they would take home and raise as one of their own and, and uh, whoever they thought would be a suitable servant. And that, that, that child that was saved from the trash heap would be taken into a home and would be a servant or slave in that house for the rest of their life and be grateful that they were at least given life. That's sort of a picture of one of the forms of adoption in the first century A.D. It's a lot different from today, isn't it? Have you ever seen a baby defend itself? Not much to it. It can't. It can't feed itself. It can't protect itself. It's actually the perfect picture of helplessness. Uh, What a picture of how we are spiritually without Christ. Um, Helpless, defenseless, hopeless. Um, We are like that baby discarded on the hill that has no hope. Helpless, lost, destitute, and God in his grace picks us up, provides for us, he cleans us up, grants us forgiveness through Christ and gives us purpose to our lives. That's, That's what adoption is. In Galatians 4, Verses 5 through 7, it says this. Um, let's start in verse 4, actually. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Our adoption begins with God, our adoption brings rescue, and our adoption also brings transformation. Uh, He doesn't save us just to be a a slave or a robot to do his bidding, to help with the chores. He makes us a son and and daughter, uh, as a child of God. Uh, A slave is tolerated, but a son and daughter is invested in, uh, found worth in not what you do, but in in who, who you are, a child of the king. So it says, and look at verse 7, it says, so you no longer, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Can I remind you today, you're no longer a slave to the elementary principles of this world, but you are son and daughter of God. And not only that, in, in Romans verse 17, it says that, that since we are heirs, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Wow fellow heirs with Christ. Not that, well, he's, he's the big, big brother who gets it all and, and, and we will take the crumbs. It says that, we, that God grants us to, 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 as heirs alongside him, eternal life, relationship with God, fellow heirs with Christ. It doesn't make sense unless we, t- we, we look at it through the lens of God pouring our grace and uh, pouring out grace and mercy on his children. So let me remind you, you are no longer a slave, but now you are a son. And not just any son, but one who is right standing with the Father with full rights as heirs. So we don't obey or follow God to be saved. That's a fear, fear-based love, and that's not the gospel. We don't have to do enough so that God will accept us. We follow obey God because he has saved us. It's a gratitude-based 
is, is the way that we are obedient to him. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for what he's done for me. And I want to fight to live for him with everything that we have. So pra- practically, what do we do with this? I was asked this uh, question just not too long ago. So, 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 so how, how, how does this affect me? Like when I walk out of here, what's, what's different? Okay, so I know this. And I thought about, I am, um, some of you, you'll be stunned at this fact, but uh, uh, some of you may know that I'm a very mild Star Wars fan. I know, I know. And, um, and so I was at the opening of a Star Wars uh, movie, just happened to be at the opening that night. <laughs> and um, it was three years ago, it was Rogue, Rogue One. And I was in there and I, I, I remember of all openings that I went to, of the 300 and something that could sit in that, in that place, like 200 were from our church. I was like, what is going on? Y'all better be at church, you know, in a couple of days. You know, this doesn't count. And, um, and so I, I'm in there, and I'm by, I'm, Scott is not, Scott Nordy's not here. He's on the, the mission trip, so I can throw him beneath the bus some. Um, uh, I'll sit by Scott and his wife, Stephanie. We're watching it. We're about four-fifths of the way through the film. And all of a sudden, my heart feels like it's flying out of my chest. And I get hot, just all over, and tingly. I'm thinking, I look at my Fitbit. That's one of the worst things you could ever have is something that tells you your heart rate. And it's like 145. And I'm just sitting there watching the movie. I mean, it's a little intense, but it's not 145 intense. And it's just, it's, and it's shooting, it's just going up higher and higher. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, I'm having a heart attack, and I'm about to die in a Star Wars opening. And all I can think of is, People are going to go, man, that boy sure loved his Star Wars. At least, at least he died where he loved being. You know, that was a great place for it. And I'm thinking, I don't want that to be my story. This is, not, well, this is not how I would write. This is not a good thing. So I go to Scott, and I go to Scott. Scott, I need to get out of here. Scott, he's, in, he's keyed in on the movie. He thinks I'm asking him to go to the bathroom with me. Why would a guy do that? That's weird. So, so I'm like, hey, I, I, need, I need to get out. Something's wrong. So he, he nudges his wife and says, hey, Dan needs something. So Scott stays there eating his popcorn. i got to climb over him. I'm, I'm dying as I'm trying to get over him. Getting out of this big theater. We're in the big D theater. We're in the back row. So, I, so I'm just like trying to book it out of there because I don't want to die in front of a whole crowd going, oh, he loves Star Wars. You know? So I get out there. They lay me on this bench. Um, they got my feet up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the movie's over in 10 minutes. Everybody in there, their mama walks out of it seeing me there. The paramedics come. They put me in a, an ambulance. It's just a whole deal. Still, I'm thinking, I think I'm done. I'm too young. I'm like 45. This is not good. I know you're like, he's 40. No way. He's not a day over 30. Uh, and, uh, and so they put me in the cab. I go to the ER. Doctor c- comes in. I, and he says, hey, I know exactly what's wrong. I'm like, just give me the news. He says, you're dealing with acute anxiety. What's wrong with you, doctor? My heart. Something's, something's wrong. I, I'm, I've been through my life the least stressed person I know. I just sort of just roll, roll with it. Nothing big has occurred in my life. He's like, has anything like happened? Anything? It's like, no, wife, we're good, right? And she's like, yeah, we're good. And, uh, and uh, so I'm just trying to figure out what, what's going on. And so I went to, like, that next month or two, I went to a heart doctor, I went to a heart doctor, I went to other doctors, did the EKG, hey, just making sure no one had messed up. And everyone's like, no, you're fine. It's just acute anxiety. And so through the 
past three years, I've sort of learned to, to deal with it. It's not something like, yeah, that's me. It's something I wanted. But over 25 years, I have worked uh, with youth for t- 25 years. And through those years, I have had countless youth that have had panic attacks and anxiety. And, and for the first tw- 22 years, I, I think I, I dealt with it okay. I was like, oh, it's all right. That's all right. Come on. You, you'll be all right. Come on. And I was just sort of try to shove them along. Hey, you'll be all right. Just stand up and walk around. You'll be okay. And I didn't understand how paralyzing it could be until I experienced it myself. And now when I deal with the youth, and I've dealt with a couple of them that have just had these panic attacks, and they're just sitting there on the ground. And know, know what I'll do now? And I'll, I'll just do this. I'll sit down by them. Go, hey, it's all right. I'll stay here as long as I need to. Why? Because I understood what it meant for them. to. I, I, I've been there before. And because I'd been there before, it changed me now. And, and you may not have adopted before, but I want you to understand what adoption is and what it looks like and what the fact that, that this is what God has done for you. You are hopeless And God says, I love you, and I'm fighting for you. I'm pursuing you, and you're of worth. When the world says, ah, you're not worth anything, God says you're worth everything. I gave up everything for you. We can leave here transformed by that one truth in our life. If we understand that every day that we live, My experiencing anxiety has changed me in how I respond and live, and knowing you are adopted by the creator of the world does the same thing. Live different. Not to be different, but live different because you understand his love for you and what that means. And because you know what that means for you, maybe it gives us courage to share it with somebody else, our neighbor or our classmate or our, those that we work with, our peers. You know, my wife and I have five wonderful kids. And if you threaten any of them, we will come after you. <laughs> She'll get to you first, I think. She's a little, she acts like she's sweet and all. And dee, 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 dee. <laughs> but the, you gotta, the quiet, sweet ones you got to look out for. But can I tell you, it's nothing in comparison to the fierceness that God loves you and me his adopted sons and, and daughters, it doesn't even, it's not a drop in the bucket comparison to how much God loves you. You may be here today and, and uh, you, you, you've never begun a relationship with Christ. And the Word of God tells us and we understand it that I mean, we sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, man. We struggle with our thoughts and what we say or what we do and a lie or hear that. We, we've all done it. And because of that sin, it separates us from God. But God made a way that we, we could, good works can't, can't fix it. You know, death will fix it. So God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, to live a life just like you and me, with temptations that would come our way, but he did not fold to any, any of them. 
And because of that, he was, he was put to death on a cross. And the cross did, didn't, did, did, did not kill him. That He was placed on, a, uh, on the cross, and he actually died because the, the weight of mankind's sin was placed upon him. And what was beautiful and right, right, righteous, that, that, that was him, became uh, uh, ugly and tarred when sin was placed upon him. It says that when the sin's placed on it, you know, God turns, God's separated from the Son at that point because God cannot be around sin. And he died from the weight of mankind's sin on. For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He took on our sin and he gave us his righteousness. What he earned, he gave. It's, it's not fair. I know it. It's the gospel. It's what's so beautiful. If you don't know the gospel, and I love to talk to you about it. I've got men or women that are here that would love to talk to you about that. Or maybe you came with someone here to church. Ask them about it. Have a conversation about it. You, you may be here and, and you may think, man, I'm just not worth a whole lot. I mean, the world's told me time in and time out, I'm just not worth that much. Quit listening to the world. Get into the Word. Understand God thinks so much of you. God is pursuing you, fighting for you, loving for you. Let your ears hear, hear that truth and not just the, the the, the junk of the world. I'd be remiss if there wasn't someone here or a couple here or folks there that go, man, ad- adoptions come across our radar before and we're just scared. We're not, we don't know what to do. And, and, and whether it's foster care or, or U.S. adoption, domestic adoption or international adoption, every one of them is a beautiful thing. Whether it's just Bringing a friend, in, well, your, your son's friend in, into your home for a week or two. Man, just love on people and obey whatever God calls you to do. But if God calls you to it, do it. Let's pray. Dear God, I th- thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for uh, a chance to talk about um, something that's important to you. And um, God, may we live with resolve, understanding that we are adopted by you as sons and daughters, uh, and, and, and we are fellow heirs with Christ. Uh, and uh, God, may we live in a way that we have resolve, that where we go, that we're a light. God, we, have, we live in a community and a world that needs to see you. God, give us the boldness and courage just to follow you. Lord, as we have a time of invitation right now, Lord, may we have courage to even come down here and pray. If there's anybody that needs to talk, Lord, may we just have a conversation that gives you honor. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. For his name we pray, amen. Won't you stand, won't you sing, and won't you come as God directs you.
All right, thank you for being gracious to me as I uh, didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, but God's good. Uh, so um, uh, make sure you meet and greet each other as we're dismissed or Pastor Michael will be mad at you. And um, get the pledge cards in. Man, we need everybody for this building to be built. You can see the plans up. It's, it's going to take our, our church as the body, as one body, to work together to get this done. So if you can just get your pledge cards in, it doesn't mean we're going to hunt you down with that card. That's just what you think you can give. We won't, we won't ever look at it and go, ah, they're not up to where they were at or whatever. We're not doing that. It's just to give us an idea of where we're at as a church. So if you can do that, that would be very helpful. The last thing, thank you so much for allowing me to share a little bit with my, my family. I, I would I'd like to say thank you for your prayers uh, for us. We've had a pretty rough month. Uh, my mom passed away just a few weeks back. And uh, a lot of you have been so kind, uh, and I appreciate the grace you've extended to us and our family. Let's pray. We'll, we'll be dismissed. Dear God, I thank you for today. Chance to be in your house just to worship you. And God, we just want you to have honor and glory. And God, may we, may we walk out of this place transformed because of the gospel. And may we take the gospel wherever we go. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, God.